Good morning. morning. Finally. I've been, every time that I preach here again, I've been kind of testing uh, your memory. So, the first time, the second time, so last time I preached, I started asking you if you remembered what I talked about the previous time. And um, now I'm not going to ask you that, but we're going to try to kind of have, you know, when you're watching those series and the show starts a previously kind of a review, quick review and what was talked about. So, you know, if you lost something on the way or if it's been a while since then, you can still get it. Um, so, previously, we were talking about the Bible. And the first time I preached, we talked about that and, and how the Bible, how we can trust the Bible and how the Bible is the Word of God. Um, it is amazing if we really believe that, if you really understand that, if you really trust that, what it does in your life. It is so amazing that we, we are running a project, and Alana was talking about that uh, last Sunday. We've been working on it um, to get a New Testament into every house in Tendragi, but it's part, even we were talking about this this week, it's part of a major product, project that, you know, would be to take a New Testament into every house in Northern Ireland. And then some people would probably ask, but why? Why to, you know, why given a New Testament and, and would that be it? But to be honest, that's already a lot. Because if those people that are getting the New Testament, if they open it, and if they start reading it, it is powerful. Because if we are saying that the Bible is the Word of God, what we are doing actually, what we are planning to do, is to put God's Word into every house. And we, we move forward, and we actually um, talked that Jesus is God's Word. He is the living Word. He is the Word who became a man and lived among us. So actually, when we're putting God's Word in, inside people's house, we're actually putting Jesus into their house. And every time they read it, and if you are the kind of person who likes to read, uh, readers and writers, they love to say that when you read a text, the text comes alive. So when people open their Bibles, they open their New Testament and they start reading it, that becomes alive. So the living word of God, who's that? Jesus. So we're putting Jesus into their house, sitting right next to them as they read it. But why? Why Jesus became a man? So we talked about that um, <coughs> last time. And I, I used 
um, three words, three ideas. Do you remember what it was? There is a little clue here in this one. That the first one is that through the power of His Word, through the power of the Word of God, we were formed. So last time, I started saying, okay, so if the Bible is God's Word, where to start? You know, I, okay, I, I have to study it. I, I got it. So where do I begin? And then what I did was from the beginning. And so we started in the beginning, and there are two times that we can actually read those words in the beginning. There is in Genesis and then in the Gospel of John. It starts by saying, in the beginning. So we use that, and we started going through the beginning. And the first thing that we see is that through the power of God's Word, we were formed. But something happened. What happened was sin. So by your sin, you got deformed. So because we are deformed, now we cannot enter the kingdom of God. But it doesn't stop there. There is a solution. So through the power of Jesus, who is God's living word, we just talked about that, God wants to reform you. He wants to reshape you. So you have the right shape so that now you can get into his kingdom. And Jesus said that the kingdom is already here. And then we come to this point today. So the same way you probably asked, after I preached the first day about God's word, and you say, okay, so where do I start? After last time, and I said, okay, now you can be reformed, you can be reshaped. And then you say, okay, I want that. Or you said, okay, yeah, I understand that. I understand what Jesus already did for me. Perfect. So now I'm reformed. What's next? <laughs> what about it? Who am I? What shape is that new shape? I would like to invite you to open your Bible in the Gospel of John, <coughs> chapter 1. Because we started on the beginning, in the beginning, and we are just moving a little forward. Just continuing where we were. And verses 12 and 13. It says that yet. To all who did receive him. To those who believed in his name. He gave the right. To become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. So the first thing that we realize as we move forward in the scripture, we started in the beginning, we understood who Jesus was, so we move forward. And the first thing we find here is that John is saying that if, you receive him. 
if you believe in his name, then you are given the right to become a children of God. So if you were reformed, if you received Jesus, you believe him and you were reformed, then you were now a children of God. And there is something interesting here. Um, because this word here, the word right, some people uh, would translate that or probably would say that this would be that because you were given a right or a claim, um, that you could actually, then you were given a choice. So in, in this sense. But to be honest, this word here, the sense of it, and because if we move forward then to verses 14, 15, and, and forward, we understand that what we are given, because we received him and believed him, is the right, and I'll explain to that to you in a way you can understand. Laura was born in Brazil. So because Laura was born in Brazil, she is a Brazilian citizen. Perfect. But not only. Not only. And there is one interesting fact. That things are different depending on the country you are. And in Brazil, you are a Brazilian citizen depending on where you were born. So it's not blood related. So if you and your family, you move now, you're Northern Irish, never been to Brazil, you move to Brazil and you have a kid there. That kid will be Brazilian. I don't know if you knew that. They will be Brazilian. But not only. And when I say not only, is because probably, well, you do, because you're Northern Irish, you, you know, claim the right that they have for the Northern Irish citizenship. But then it comes an interesting idea that not many people understand that because they never thought of it, because they don't care. They never had to be through it. I have. I've been through it. And so in my case, I'm a Brazilian and I'm also Portuguese. So I became a Portuguese. And that's the wrong way to say it, but I'll say it anyway, so you understand. I became a Portuguese when I was about 16, 17 years old. Um, 17 years old, I became a Portuguese. So why, why is that wrong to say that I became a Portuguese? You have an idea? You say, well, you're right, because you were born in Brazil. So when you were one, you were not Portuguese. When you were two, three, four, five, then when you were 17, you went to the Portuguese consulate and you, you know, got your papers and you got this all true. So you became a Portuguese when you were 17. Wrong. That was the age that I claimed my right of my Portuguese citizenship. But actually, Legally, it is considered that even though I only got my Portuguese citizenship when I was 17, 18, I was always a Portuguese. Since the moment I was conceived, I was a Portuguese. 
But I only claimed the right when I was older. But I was already a Portuguese. So when I was registered, actually, I, I needed to bring my birth certificate from Brazil to the Portuguese consulate. And what they did is they made me a Portuguese one saying, well, this Portuguese guy, Marcus, he was born in Rio in this day, all back there. So the idea and the principle is the same as when you were born, you have to go and register yourself. You know, not you have your father going to do it. It would take a little longer if, you know, you needed to do it. Uh, but um, I did it. I did it when Laura was born. You know, I went and I registered her. Um, and the thing is, and you say, but what are you telling me about you in a Portuguese citizenship? doesn't make any sense, Marcus. And it does. And you will understand why. Because when Laura was born, it wasn't like, okay, the doctor is there. And so when the doctor took her, wah, okay, I was registering her at the same moment. It wasn't. So it took me one day, actually. So I, I registered her the next day. So the next day, so it was one day. So this one day, was she Brazilian? Yes. Was she my daughter? Yes. Was she Laura? Yes. Even though she was not registered. So when we, were, we went to Portugal, before coming here, or in between coming here, um, as you know, we went then to Portugal, um, we registered Laura and Andresa. And now they are in the process of acquiring their Portuguese citizenship. Because Andresa's father is Portuguese and Laura's father and mother are both Portuguese. So here, when John is saying that we were given the right, it means that it is a claim. We are made children of God. And the moment we receive him, the moment we believe in him, that's the exact moment we're made children of God. Maybe you were at home, you were not at church, you didn't raise your hand, you know, it took you a while to be baptized or... It doesn't matter. Because the moment you were made a child of God was the exact moment you received Jesus in your life. In your heart. So hopefully, there will be people that we're going to be putting those New Testaments through their doors. That because it's Christmas time, they will open it. They will read it. And they will receive it. They will believe it. And even though we're not going to know, God is going to know. And He will be bringing new children into the family. So what it is amazing about that, that is said here, as we were talking that we were first formed, then we were deformed, then we were reformed, is that when we were first for, formed, I'm sorry, we were creatures of God. So we were something that was made by His hands, but 
We were not much better than a tree. Some people still aren't. <laughs> I, I got it from his laugh that he was saying. <laughs> we were not much better than any other animal, any other thing in creation. We were creatures of God. We were created you know, by his image, but we were still only creatures. But now, when God reforms us, when he reshapes us, it's different. So it's not the same shape we had in Eden. It isn't. It's a new shape. So what he's saying is, it's not that, okay, first you were a creature. But now, when I'm reshaping you because you were broken, I'm reshaping you as my son, as my daughter. Isn't it amazing that in Eden we were made creatures, but in Christ's death and resurrection we were made sons and daughters of God. And so we become children of God. And the word here, this word children in Greek, um, it's the, the, the translation, the meaning would be those whom God knows to be qualified to obtain the nature and dignity of his children. So uh, I was even talking about that, you know, lately and explaining to people, then that's why I use the Portuguese nationality too, for you to understand, is that you were given a passport. So you have a new ID, you have a new passport. It doesn't mean that you lost the one you had before. I'm, I'm still Brazilian. So I, I usually explain to people saying, well, so people ask me, okay, Marcus, so you're Brazilian, you're Portuguese, so what, what actually are you? are you? Are you Brazilian or are you Portuguese? And I say, well, when I'm in Brazil, I'm Brazilian. When I'm in Portugal, I'm Portuguese. Whatever else, I'm whatever I say. So I have to, I, I, I just got to choose which one suits best. So because I have the passport, because I have the Portuguese passport, now when I come to EU, I'm actually able to go through security quickly. I can go to the special gate and, you know, just put my passport in the door open before me. But because I'm Brazilian, it, that would ha wouldn't happen. That wouldn't. People would ask a lot of questions. Where are you doing? Where are you going? How long are you staying? You have proof of the place you're staying, the address. Um, uh, for how long? Do you have the tickets to go back? We want to be sure that you're not staying. <laughs> but because we have because I have the Portuguese passport, I have the right. So I was given a new dignity. So now I'm not only children of my mom and dad, but I'm also a children of God. And that changes everything. That changes everything. 
And then you might be asking yourself, okay, Marcus, I got it. You know, I got even the reason why you got your Portuguese nationality. It makes, it makes sense. Uh, but what do I get from being a son or a daughter of God? Well, I will use again the same image that I've been using, deformed, deformed, reformed, and we're going to walk through that. So what changed since I'm a daughter or a son of God? Genesis 2, 7 tells us that when God first created man, he, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. New word. <laughs> the breath of life. And the man became a living being. There are two things that I'd like to highlight here, and I actually did it. Is the breath it, and he breathed the breath of life. Because I don't know if you know, but actually, when in Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and saying that the Spirit of the Lord, God created heavens and earth, and the Spirit of the Lord was moving around the surface of the water. The word Spirit there <coughs> is the word Ruah. That actually means wind, breath. And if you look, and I'm not going to lie to you, if you look into the word that is used here in breathed, breath of life isn't hua. And you say like, okay, so why are you telling us that? It's because there is another moment. If you go to Noah's story, when God is talking to Noah and he's explaining to Noah saying, well, I'm going to destroy everything that has a breath of life. The word that he uses there is the word, the word Hua. And the thing is, the Spirit of the Lord, what we understand from that and the theology that of the Holy Spirit taught in Genesis is that the Holy Spirit is the breath of the Lord. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the breath of the Lord. So when God breathed life into man, he was breathing the Holy Spirit. So when God created everything, he created, you know, trees and, and other, you know, the animals and everything. But when he created man, he got clay. He made man with his own hands. And when he breathed, when he made that come alive, it just, he didn't, you know, I don't know how it was with the other animals, if he snapped or how it worked, because the Bible doesn't tell us. But it tells us that with man, he breathed. So he gave his spirit to man, that so man would come alive. But as we talked before, 
sin happened, then we were deformed. And as good Christians, if I ask you, okay, so I'm telling you in Genesis that God breathed the Holy Spirit into men. So does every man has the Holy Spirit? That was a question, an honest question. What do you think? Yes or no? No? Do I get some yes? No? <laughs> what happened was that because of sin, Genesis 3, verse 19, by the sweat of your bro, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken. And that's why I highlighted here. I, I'm a man. So I know what, maybe for women it won't make, it's like, okay, we don't get it, right? <laughs> But God was talking to, to, to men. What, actually, what he said, like, dust you are. So you were dust. You want to humiliate a man? You don't call him names. You just say, you're nothing. <coughs> you're nothing. That's worse than any name anyone could ever say. Because if you come to a man and say, you are nothing. That's the worst you can say. And God is actually coming to Adam and saying, Adam, you were, you were dust. That's what you are. Because you were, you were made of dust and you are dust. And now that's the part that I think that I don't know if any other theologian spoke about that before. But I believe that probably that was here that God took his spirit off man. Because he says here, to dust you will return. So in Genesis 2, as we look here, actually God was breathing the breath of life into man. So how come can men now die? You will return to dust. How will you return to dust if you have the spirit of life? The spirit of life is living in you. You'll live forever. So that, that was when I think that God took his spirit off man. He said, no, not, not anymore. You were dust and you, to dust you will return. But it doesn't end here. And if we go back to John chapter 1, verse 4, we will actually see that Jesus, we will actually learn that Jesus is not only the Word of God, but He's also the life. So it says that in Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. 
And if we go to the letter of 1 John that was written by the same John from the Gospel, John the Apostle, again, right in the beginning, he says that that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy complete. Jesus is not only the Word. He's not only the living Word of God. He is life itself. So some people like to say that in creation, so when we studied, and we're going to move forward, probably we got the chance one day we talk about that, as uh, Jesus, when he was about to start his ministry, he was baptized. And so when Jesus was coming out of the water, the Holy Spirit came in the shape of a dove and a voice, the voice of the Father spoke from heaven saying, this is my son. So a lot of people like saying, well, isn't it amazing? Because we have a clear picture of the Trinity right there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost all there in the same moment, the same picture. Then if we go back to Genesis, when we were first formed, and it says that God breathed life. We can see God, the Father, breathed Holy Spirit, life, Jesus, into man. The Trinity working there to create us. And then life became a man and lived among us and showed us the Father. And by the end, He left us the Holy Spirit. So we can have this relationship again with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. So the question was, what, what changed? What changed because now I'm a son of God, a daughter of God? What changed? And what changed was that now you have life again. And the word for life in the New Testament used here. Um, we have a chemistry teacher. We don't have a... If he was a biology teacher, it would be better to use. <laughs> Are you willing to change? No? No. Because the word biology comes from a Greek word, bios. And that word... Bios actually means life. 
So you're probably asking yourself that, okay, so maybe in the New Testament, since it was written in Greek, when they're talking about, okay, Jesus was the life, so John is probably using the word, the Greek word, bios. He wasn't. He was actually using another word for life, because there are two words for life in Greek. And the word he was using is the word zoe. And the word zoe is an amazing word that I really, I love this word. And I love this word just because of what it stands for. Because John could have used bios. This is the word used in our class when you're going to study life. We were thought that biology, it's called biology because it is the bios logic. So the logic of life, the study of life. It's not zoologic. And couldn't be like that. Because if it was the study of life in the sense of zoe, it would probably be called theology. Because the word zoe, the meaning of the word zoe, doesn't only mean um, biological life in this sense, not only physical life, but spiritual life. And so when John is saying that Jesus is life and that he's given us life, what he's telling us is that he's given us a new spiritual life, eternal life that we could only receive by grace. And then you'll ask me, okay, Marcus, but it isn't written here that, you know, we're receiving this life and it is by grace. You're just, you know, making some weird theology in there. But it actually is telling us this. Because again, when we go and we move forward to the last sentence of those verses, and John is saying, but people might be asking, and he was probably, okay, people are going to ask themselves, why am I saying this? And this letter was probably written after he wrote the gospel. So he was probably, you know, he was, as he was writing it, it probably hit him that, okay, they're going to ask themselves, why, why is he, you know, going through that again? Because in the beginning of the gospel, he starts saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. In Him was life, and the life was, as we read, was the light of all men. So why is John bothering to go through all of this again? And he answers that question here with the last sentence. So we rewrite this to make our joy complete. And the word here that he used for joy is the word kara. And the word kara is the same, has the same root, uh, and it's rooted actually in the word charis. And the word charis is grace. So what John is saying is that as 
we get to understand as we grow to understand that every dimension of what we receive from God because we are now made sons and daughters of Him as we grow our understanding our joy grows with it and then we remember again that lady that one day Jesus was sitting in a dinner having dinner in a house of a Pharisee and a lady came in crying washed Jesus' feet with her tears dry with her hair pour the most expensive perfume available and everyone is if he knew who she was he wouldn't allow her to do it then he said her great love shows that her many sins were forgiven what happened to her was that she got a bigger dimension than you and me probably because when we we are tempted to when we hear that story for example we are tempted to think that okay I'm, I'm better than her so that's probably why I don't have that much love I got it now but that's the wrong interpretation for that the only difference between you and that lady is that she got that she was forgiven for all her sins she got the dimension of it so what John is saying is that I want you to grow the knowledge of the grace because you probably still don't have you know your vision of grace is probably still very narrow very small and that's what theologians would call cheap grace how much it costed and what it actually is so when we start to understand what happened and the death of and resurrection of Jesus when God broke eternity and came to earth to live among us and then to die and resurrect what happened in there if you understand it and the more you understand it the more your joy will be complete and another interesting thing here is that what he's saying is that also that our joy is in the grace of God our joy is not in the things that we have or who we are or the position we have the status the money or whatever our joy 
can only be completed by the grace of God. Everything in our lives can only be completed by the grace of God. So everything. It doesn't matter what it is. It may be your, uh, your relationship with your parents. Maybe it's broken. It can only be completed. That space that was left can only be fulfilled by the grace of God. Maybe it's your marriage. It can only be fulfilled by the grace of God. Maybe it's your career. It can only be fulfilled by the grace of God. Maybe it's your bank account. Maybe you're broke. It can only be fulfilled by the grace of God. It's everything. Your joy can only be completed by God's grace. So again, there is a proportion in there that goes with it. It's simple mathematics. The bigger the grace, the bigger the joy. But the thing is, the grace, God's grace, is not getting any bigger or any smaller. So if your joy is not as big as God's grace, it's because you probably need a few Johns coming to your life and showing and teaching you exactly what grace, God's grace is. That so you get how big it is. So then your joy can be complete. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. Your grace that is available to us through Jesus Christ. And because we were reshaped, we were reformed, and we are not only now able to get into your kingdom, but we received with our new identity the right to be called sons and daughters of God. And with that, we received life, a new life, a new breath of life. That breath of life that was lost when we sinned. We receive it again now. A new breath of the Holy Spirit within us. A breath of life bringing us back to life. A new life, not only a physical life, not only bios, but now a complete life. The life that we were meant to have right from the beginning. We thank you for that grace. Grow our understanding on your grace. Grow our knowledge about you, Father. About you, Jesus. About you, Holy Spirit. So we may really have our joy completed. That so we can be completed, we can be filled our whole lives 
we can be filled by you, by your breath, by your breath of life. May we have this joy today and may we feel it, not only know it, not only know it with our minds, but also feel it in our hearts, that joy that you were giving us, the same way that that woman felt. And it was so great, the joy that he, she felt, that it overtook her in a way that what she was doing what, you know, wouldn't make any sense to anyone else. but made all the sense for her and makes all the sense for us because we understand what was needed to be done that so we could have life. How amazing is your grace that saved us when we were yet sinners, found us where we were, um, when we were still living in that place, but didn't leave us there, took us from there, and is bringing us into the kingdom. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your living word. Thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.